Amen. Thank you, Mikey. Wow. Um, by those uh, by those throwback songs, how many of y'all felt like you were in a really cool youth group or summer camp? That was awesome. Great set. Appreciate that so much, Mikey. Good morning, church. Uh, good morning, church. Good morning, online community. So glad to be here this morning. So glad to see some new faces and some old friends. Thank you for joining us here with our family at Creekside Community Church. Uh, if you've been here at least the last couple of weeks, we've really put an emphasis on love, just as we sang. And if you notice in the message today, it's kind of hard to see, but if you look close, love your enemies. It's not a period. It's not an exclamation mark. It's love your enemies? How many of y'all ever felt that? Raise your hand. I'm going to challenge you again. How many of y'all have some enemies in your life? Just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do. We do. This is a fallen world. We have people that are going to come against us. Sometimes that are even just because of our faith. Because you call yourself a Christian. or You know, it can be a variety of things. Uh, I searched and searched. You know, if you remember, if you've been with us for a while or listened to my sermons for a while, I actually have a confession. I got on Facebook last night and I got on the Hot Springs Restaurant Review page and I tried to find an argument that I referenced. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody can make a critique of a restaurant and about four or five posts down, the argument's about an entirely different thing, like which is the best car or place to live. I mean, you got, for those of you who don't have any enemies, get on Twitter or Facebook and say something bold. Take a stand. They'll come out of the woodwork. I'm telling you, they really will. You talk about Jesus. Say something big about, I saw one of those. I saw one of my brothers post a scripture, and, 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 and I, I, almost, I almost got reeled in because one lady said, well, I don't need religion to have faith. I was like, eh, I don't get that. I mean, you can have faith in things, but we were talking about spirituality. So we're going to talk about enemies and how scripture deals with it especially how Jesus dealt with it. Because when we get, we're going to do, we're going to look at two Old Testament passages and one New Testament passage. And there's a couple of books out, The Hard Teachings of Jesus. And, and you've heard me say Jesus taught and he flipped things upside down. And to be honest, probably the Jesus passage in Luke we'll look at today is one of the hardest commandments for us to get. Somebody say amen. Forgiving and loving your enemies. I, I just, can you imagine... I really don't think we get the depth of this because I want you to think, let's say hypothetically, God forbid, Russia had taken control of America like the Romans had Judea and there were abuses. I mean, you saw people with heads on poles in certain cities. And this country preacher from Amity shows up. Are you with me? And he starts preaching, and then he drops the mic and says, love your enemies. Love those Romans that are spitting on you and doing things against you. Can you see the shift in that? And it's, again, I just say, it, it's hard for me. It's hard for every Christian. It's one of the hardest Christian commands in the red letters, as they say. But let's unpack. We're going to kind of ease into it through some Old Testament verses and then hopefully give you some applications where we can work on that 
together as a family. First, let's define it, because I was actually surprised by the definition. I looked it up on dictionary.com. An enemy is a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Just nod with your head. How many of you got people that are actively opposed to you? Trying to tear you down, trying to circumvent maybe what you're doing? Yeah, we do. So let's get into the word. Genesis 45, 3 through 11, and verse 15. Joseph, and we know Joseph's story. Now, let me just say this. Most of us, if you grew up in church, know the story of Joseph. And if anyone had a reason not to love your, you know, y'all raised your hands that you have enemies, but I'm pretty safe to say no one has ever beat you up, thrown you in a hole, sold you to slavery, and left you. I don't think that's happened to anyone here. It did to Joseph. And we catch him in the back end after God's plan unfurls itself, and he's second in command in Egypt. Joseph said to his brothers, his brother had come, there was a famine, and, now they, and they don't even recognize it. I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. If you throw your brother in a pit and sell him to slavery, that's something to be terrified about when you see him again. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I love this. I love this, guys. We miss this. Watch this. Come close to me. He said, it's a sign of endearment. Like, lean into me. I, I, I got to tell you something from my heart. Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, look at his words. I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant. Remember last year, reviving the remnant? There's always going to be a remnant of God's people. Satan can't control that. To preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Those people that are hostile to you, maybe it's God working on you to get you where you need to be. Hmm. Hard teaching. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, my nephews and nieces, he says, and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you because there is five years of famine still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong are destitute. And I love later in that chapter where he says, what you intended for bad. God is used for good to save many. David knew enemies. David had a lot of enemies in his lifetime. And he would write this in Psalm 37, 1 through 11 and 39, 40. Do not fret because those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. We get caught up in that, don't we? 
we get caught up in what other people are doing or doing to us so much that we get narrow-minded in tunnel vision to work on what God's calling us to do. For like the grass, they'll soon wither. Like green plants, they'll soon die away. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell, live, inhabit in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You can't take delight in God when you're focused on what everybody else is doing to you. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger, turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Verse 39, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them. Why? Because they take refuge in him. I love that part of trusting the Lord. Because you know what happens when we get caught up in what the enemy's traps and tricks do to us? You know what we're actually saying, and we'll reiterate this later. We're saying we don't trust God to handle the situation. Okay? And think about that statement. Think about the person that you're into it or disconnected or opposed to the most. You're actually, if you're all overwhelmed with it and distracted by it, you're basically telling God, God, I don't think you're going to make this happen the way I want it to. And I'll just challenge you. Who's the prisoner then? So we have to trust that God and here's where I've resigned it, and by no means do I have a handle on it. I, I do it big. Those that have opposed me, those of my enemies, and we're going to talk about loving them, but I'm just going to give it to God and let him handle it in this life or the next. And just say, I trust you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I trust he's big enough. And, I, and that also means I'm going to have to trust his decision with that, whatever he decides. And I know he's a God of grace. Where I would want to string him up, he may say, you're forgiven. And I have to accept that because he's God and I'm not. And that's a hard thing for us. So let's look at the words of Jesus. Luke 6, 27, 38. Jesus is in the middle of a crowd. He's teaching Jesus style. He's dropping big, heavy verses, as we said. But to you who are listening, I love that he says you that are listening. So apparently some people were looking off into the wild blue yonder. If you're really listening, Jesus says, I say, love your enemies. Because think about it, we know the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. 
I love what Gandhi said. He said, if the whole world goes eye for eye, then the whole world might end up blind. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And again, can you Im- I imagine there's some Roman soldiers standing around. Can you imagine being, can you imagine being under martial law and Jesus is saying, you got to love those guys. you got to pray for that Roman soldier that hit you the other day because you didn't do something fast enough for him. you got to bless them when they speak all kinds of curses against you. And at night, don't forget to pray for those Roman soldiers. They need me too. That's heavy. Verse 29, if anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are only good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit of that is to you. Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. He says it again, verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Another hard one. Why, Jesus? Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And he starts something in verse 36 that we claim a lot and we use a lot for only giving. I've used it in giving and tithing sermons, but it's way more than that. You got to hear this in context because he's saying, by what I'm fixing to say has a measure, and the way you measure it will be measured back to you. Watch this. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and it will, and I'm sorry, and you will be forgiven. Here's the giving. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. And look at the last sentence there. We always tie this to to giving, but it's, it's tied to mercy, it's tied to judging, it's tied to condemning, and it's tied to forgiving. And he says, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So how are we judging? How are we condemning? How are we giving? How are we being merciful? How are we loving our enemies? So here's some unpacking. Here's some applications from the chapters, from the verses we've looked at. Number one, and some of y'all know this, sometimes our enemies come from our own family. Amen? You know, I've said this before. Uh, it, we're, we're talking about doing a new study on one of Bruce Wilkinson's book called The Dream Givers. And in it, he's, I love the way he gives an example. It's like if you've ever had a, let's say you feel a calling to go do something. Have you ever felt like you wanted to start a new project or do something? And we usually go tell our family first. And a lot of us, when we tell our family, they look at us and say, have you lost your mind? (laughs) 
They may not be overall hostile, but you're deflated in that moment, aren't you? You're not supported. And sometimes, uh, if anyone's family rose up against him, what about Joseph? Like I said, I don't think any of us have been sold into slavery, thrown in a pit, accused of rape. And then Joseph says, you know what? God did all that so I'd be ahead of, here, ahead of you guys so I could be in charge of the food for this famine that's coming. I see God's plan. That's the key is seeing what God's doing with you rather than the other person. Why am I going through all this? What is God trying to get me to? What is God trying to refine me and my attitude and my heart stance to? Sometimes our enemies can be from our own family. Number two, God promises not only to deal with our enemies, but to deliver us from them. It may not happen in this life. It may happen in this life. Some of you know, for about five years, I was in the automotive dealership service business. We had two dealerships across the road from each other, a Nissan and a Toyota dealership. I was at the Toyota, but they went through managers there, and the owner said, can you go over here and temporary fill in and get some things started? And I did, and then they rotated me back, and they hired this guy who came in and came in with authority, not the right authority, but just talking down to all the technicians. And we had this older senior technician, new Nissans in and out, and he and this new manager just didn't jive. And the new manager was somewhat abusive to him. He, he wouldn't give him uh, work. And if you're a technician, you know you need to do working on cars to make your time and book time. That's how you make a living. And I asked him one day, I could tell he was down and everything, and I was always, I tried to be an encourager to him. He was a Christian, the older guy. <clears throat> I'll never forget what he said to me one day. I, you know, I'm trying to be basic, simple encourager. I said, hey, you know, I, I know, I know, what, I see what's happening, and I'm sorry you're going through this. And he looked at me and smiled, and he says, you know what, Mark? He says, because of my faith, you know what I do? I pray every day for that guy. I said, Really? He says, yeah, I pray that God moves him out of this dealership. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? Three, three months later, he got fired, the manager. And you talk about grinning like a possum the next time I went over to the dealership. Power of prayer works, y'all. I'm just saying. You know, sometimes God delivers us in the way we don't think he's going to deliver us, but he makes it happen anyway. Okay. God promises, hear me, church. God doesn't just say or toss it out there. When God makes a promise, God delivers on a promise. He promises to deal with our enemies, and he promises to deliver us from them. Number three, our response, as far as depends on us. You know, in Hebrews it says, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with all men as best you can. As far as our response, our response to any enemy that comes in front of us is love in action. Love wins. How did Jesus respond to his enemies? Up to the very end on the cross, he's praying prayers of forgiveness. And if he, he had the power to come off the cross, and as that wonderful gospel hymn, he could have called 10,000 angels and laid everybody to waste. Jesus responded with love in action. I love you enough to die for you because you need salvation too, even though you're piercing my side and nailing me to this cross. 
And I'll just say again, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not hacking on us, but none of us have been nailed to a cross. None of us have had our sides pierced. We've had our feelings hurt. We may have had our heart hurt. But if, you, if, if you're going to walk in those last three lessons of core Christian values, if you're going to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength so you can love others, because there's the crux. If you don't get the vertical right, you can't respond to your enemies in love. And that's why Jesus told us to love our enemies. And fourth and last, we must have, hear me, full trust. We must have full trust in God that he alone will eventually deal with all our enemies due to us and to him. Give it to God. Let God have, pray those prayers. Respond in love. Respond in grace. Respond in mercy. Because I fully believe God's working on us more than he's working on the person that's being hostile or coming against us, as the definition said. I said David had a lot of enemies, but we also know by Scripture and looking at David's life, he had probably one of the most deepest and intact relationships with God all throughout it. And he would write the psalm that we all know, the shepherd's psalm, but I love this, I love this passage. In this verse, I recently rewatched. Christian and I rewatched. There was a remake of Stephen King's book, The Stand, and it's a series, and we watched through it. And if you've read the book or seen it, there was a movie ages ago, but it's basically good versus evil. And the good people in the end are caught in a situation, and they're about to go in the city to face one of Satan's demons himself. And before they go, they come up with a phrase, Remember? They said, when these times come, say this, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Here's why. David says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Where, church? In the presence of my enemies. We're going to unpack that and then we're going to be done. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Have you ever really looked at that verse and thought about it? Have, can you visualize that? I want you right now to think about the people that are causing you grief. Somebody you've labeled as an enemy. Maybe hostile family members. And then I want you to picture this. Next slide. That's you sitting at the head of the table. You know what else? You, you can't see your enemies because you know why? When God, hear me church, this was a revelation to me. When God prepares a table for you in front of your enemies, what God is saying is that I'm all you need. I will sustain you. I have a banquet ready for you. And those worries and those cares and that anger, leave that outside because you are in my presence. And David knew, church, David knew God was enough. 
David, David, in one point in his life, his own men wanted to kill him because enemies had came into the camp and kidnapped their wives and children. But I also love those verses that says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Church, that means that David found down deep inside, my relationship with God is still good, and he's still on the throne, and you know what? He's got everything I need to get through this. Where's our mentality like that? Where's our heart like that? Where's our passion like that? You serve a father. You have a God that wants to set a setting like this with food overflowing for you. And it's even going to be that way in the end, right? At the supper of the Lamb. When Jesus comes and puts down evil once and for all, God takes care of it. I'll just encourage you this morning. If you have a disconnect with someone, If you have someone you've deemed as your enemy, respond in love and know that God's going to handle it. Know that God's going to deliver you from it. Know that God is already working at it and you need to accept and you need to fully trust him that he will do what he says he'll do. Somebody say amen. He always does. He cannot help but do what he's promised. I will fear no evil. I will fear no enemy. You have called me to sit in your presence, Father, at a table, and all my enemies can do is stand around and watch because I'm covered by your grace, your hand, your power, your protection. And if we get that mentality, church, our enemies are not a problem anymore because we're walking in the will of God. We're more concerned with walking with him than looking around and seeing what other people are doing to us. So closing, my prayer is you will come away this morning from the word with some new tools, with some new mindsets of dealing with those difficult people in your life that you realize God's in control and he always has been. And you'll respond with love and action. And that you'll be merciful. And you won't judge and you won't condemn. And you'll be giving. If you're here this morning and need prayers, we're going to pray. And if you need private prayers, I'd be honored to pray with you. If you'd like to put on Christ and walk in a newness to be this follower of Jesus and believer, we, we can do that too. We can take your confession of faith that Jesus is the true and living Son of God. Be buried in baptism and then start your life. Be empowered by his Holy Spirit and deal with this fallen world and the people that cause us grief, the people that cause us difficult times. Let's pray together. Father, once again, your word is so profound. It's so timely. It's so relevant still today for every need. And Father, as your children and your followers, we struggle with interpersonal relationships sometimes, even those of our own family. But help us to hear those truths. Let us have a teachable heart and spirit this morning. Let your words sink in that you eventually will deal with it. You eventually will deliver us. Jesus, you call us to love, not to hate, not to anger, not to frustration. When we fall down that path, God, we carry around baggage of garbage that we don't need to be carrying. 
let us be people of love, loving you first and loving others as ourself. And let it not be a question of us loving our enemies. Let us have a heart of grace. Let us have a heart of mercy. Let us have a spirit of forgiveness. And let us accept Jesus in that moment when you said love your enemies. You weren't tossing that out as something just to think about. That was a verbal action command. It's a command of yours, God. And Jesus, anyone who follows you, you said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And they'll know that you belong to me. By the way, you keep records of wrongs? No. By the way, you tell people off in a piece of your mind? No. The world will look at us and say they belong to Jesus by the way we love each other. Put the spirit of love in us, God, in all situations. Pull our hearts, grow our hearts to fully trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.